0: All right. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Foch with Brian Weed here, Hello, and we are doing our Calvary Distinctives 2.0. We have touched the preface, kind of why we're going through this again in our last episode, and in this episode, we're going to touch on the intro. This chapter is The Call to Ministry, and the central thought of this chapter is summed up Chuck Smith's quote on page three, says if there's one characteristic that is absolutely essential for effective ministry, it's that we must first have a sense of calling. The conviction in our hearts that God has chosen and called us to serve Him. The Bible tells us to make our calling and election sure. Are you convinced that God has called you into the ministry? This is very important because ministry is not a profession that we might choose. It's a calling of God. How do we know we are called? The ministry to the called is not an option. It's a necessity. So I want to touch on that biblically for a second, in a second. But first, just simply say again, the focus of this chapter is really kind of the minister or the pastor, a a person who feels called to ministry. And that's important because it'll have a lot of ties to the rest of the book, which is why I think Chuck felt like he needed to start.
1: And there's a lot to talk about there biblically and personally, but I think it's it's. Helpful and personally for me, encouraging to know that I'm part of a fellowship of churches where it's assumed and it's sought for that anyone in church leadership would ha- would have a sense that God has put them there and that God has empowered them to do that and called them there. Not just as Chuck says that they simply went to school and got a credential. And I guess it's like I could take that for granted. But there's places you could go where as long as you have the credential and as long as you went to the right school and you got the degree, that's all that's required. But we're part of a fellowship of churches where that's not all that's required. In fact, that's not actually required at all. What's required is something divine, and that is going to flavor and color everything that you do at the church. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So even if you're not a pastor and you're listening to this, uh, don't check out because I think it's important for— for you to hear what we would believe about sure. pastors yep. and the leadership of the church. So I just wanna step in here and I want to lay out kind of a little groundwork for a biblical basis of this distinctive and just kind of work through some scripture here. I will read the scripture references to you. You can write them down. I encourage you to to check them out on your own. Maybe but, we
1: can put the these in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. So I think the first thing just to lay it out is to say that the Bible teaches pretty clearly that there's a collective call to all believers in terms of the Great Commission and in terms of being called to a heavenly type of life and a heavenly type of calling. You can see that clearly in 1 Corinthians one twenty-six, Ephesians 4.1, 2 Timothy 1.9, and Hebrews 3.1. So every believer is called to something specifically. You have your part in this campaign of God through the ages, and that part is important. Then there's a personal call within the bounds of our collective call, what the church is supposed to be accomplishing through Christ and the Holy Spirit. I have a part in. And we see that clearly in the life of Paul. Acts thirteen two says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called to them. Romans 1, 1, Paul says the same, same thing about himself. 1 Corinthians 1, 1. Galatians 1, 15. There is a unique personal calling, a way that Paul the Apostle, or we would say any other minister
1: of the gospel,
0: lives out their piece of the collective call there
1: of God. Yeah, and again, not to resay what I just said, but I don't think we can stress it too much. We're we're just saying this is of God. And I again, to me that feels so comfortable because that's what you see in the scriptures. That's what you see in the book of Acts. We shouldn't take for granted that there wasn't credentialing agencies in the book of acts sure that put people in leadership in place and again it's important we're not saying we're against that we're not saying we're against higher education a lot of calvary chapel pastors have those kinds of degrees it's all great it's just that's not what qualifies me or anyone to stand in front of god's people ultimately it has to be of the lord
0: yeah yeah simply there's no amount of natural skill or gifting that can qualify a person to be a minister or be called to the ministry of the Word, as the Bible calls it, that can only come from the Holy Spirit, and without the gifting, you can't train it
1: in a person, so I wonder actually um my sons are getting into baseball. this illustration just popped into my mind when you see like a high level professional baseball player, you realize like I could never like <laughs> that guy you can't just, train that <laughs> that guy has it, and yet. All of the high-level professional baseball tra- players get trainers, get coaches. So we're not saying there's no value to those things. Those those high-level players would tell you there's all kinds of value to them. We're just saying that's not what put the guy there. What put the guy there was not his coaching. What put the guy there was something God just gave him. Yeah. And maybe there's at least a loose analogy there that we're to say in, in no way are we are we somehow putting down education or or even training or even experience, we're just saying it's not the essential thing. It's something God uses once he has put someone, called someone, and then is moving them into those positions.
0: Yeah. So to add on to that, say say I'm a minister, maybe how do I know what that personal calling looks like? How does that come to me? Uh, I think there's three biblical things The Bible lays out a personal knowledge of God's calling, which is kind of what Chuck is talking about, particularly in the beginning of this chapter, a personal character that's developed and personal giftings that are given. So when I say a personal knowledge, I mean the call is to be known by the individual. That overall, I'm not going to give one passage here, the consistent biblical principle from Genesis to Revelation is God can speak to men. Right. Men can understand what he says. God can tell Abraham to leave and go somewhere. God can tell Noah to build a boat. God can tell Moses to go back to Egypt. God can speak to men. He can speak to Peter through letting down a sheet and telling him to eat. And Peter's sitting there confused still about what the vision means. And the Holy Spirit has to tell him what to do. So there's no explanation as to how that voice comes. The Bible just says God can speak to men. And he can speak to men so clearly that they are then responsible to follow through on the calling that he has given to them. That's why Jonah would be in trouble for not listening to what the Lord is calling him to. So there's no, and I hopefully this can be encouraging, there's no example of a single person in Scripture who missed out on God's calling simply because he didn't hear God correctly or had an ear infection or something like that. Or that person uh, just totally went the wrong direction one point and then never found their way back. By accident. Yeah, and by accident. Right. Their, when Philip went to go go into the wilderness, he went the wrong direction. Therefore, he missed God's. That doesn't happen. So, you know, it's it's important for that individual to know, however God can speak to them, that they are called by God. And they can hear that and be responsible for it. That's why I say a personal knowledge of God's calling. The second is personal character. And for the minister, the Bible is clear, and I think we would all agree on this, that 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 lay out a particular type of character that qualifies a person to be a pastor. So uh, if you have... The, if you feel like you're called, but you don't exhibit that character, then you know you're not called because part of your calling is to have this character in a particular way. And then the last thing is that personal calling, that personal character. And the last one is the personal gifting through the power of the Holy Ghost, which is laid out in passages like 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 7. There's a particular type of gifting, a way that a pastor works and his life works out in the body of Christ that people see. Now, that gifting can be on different measures, but it should be there at least. So, you know, I, I think just biblically, Chuck's point again that a person should know that they're called, that that has a personal aspect. It has a personal character aspect, and it has a personal gifting aspect. And those are the things that we see are biblically laid out in regards to the call of the pastor. And then the rest of those things really are, are just applications, the way they kind of come to us.
1: Yeah. It, so you it's not as though there are people walking around who are called to be pastors, who just live and die their life, never know, live and die, and God's like, what was up? You were called to be a pastor. Uh, and... <laughs> by the other by the other token i think this is a helpful outline because you have you know knowledge character giftings what i know who i am and what i'm actually able to do and that's a way of talking about the whole person so god's going to give you some kind of awareness or knowledge he's going to have made you and be making you a certain kind of person. And he's going to give you the ability to actually do the things that he's called you to do. And if one or two or all those things are lacking, then there might be a good chance that the call isn't there. So to sure. Think.
0: Yeah. I would say just for my own personal life, the, you know, I think the big one, the, the personal calling, everybody wants God to show up in their life and write something on, you know, the wall of their room that says, you're the man, follow me or something. Uh, For me, it almost worked the opposite. I always kind of knew my character before the Lord needed to be a Christian type of character. Uh, And it was in trying to keep that, that God began to open up doors for me to serve places. People began to offer
1: you opportunities.
0: People began to offer me opportunities. I just served. I knew part of character ended up being serving at a church. And being around and caring for Christian people. So as I did that, opportunities kind of opened up. And God just kept opening up those opportunities. And along the path of those opportunities, God began to bless it. I began to see, okay, there's a gift that meets some of these open doors. And through that, it eventually dawned on me, okay, God this is what you've called me to. And then there became personal places where it was like, no, Lord. All, all right. Yeah. Th- this is it for me. So I didn't have one of those shock moments personally. I actually didn't know that. I thought you might have. That's so yeah, more of it for me, it was more of just a, mm-hmm. a kind of slow dawning of, all right, Lord, no, this is what you have for me.
1: The story that I always think of is they say that Hudson Taylor heard, I think an audible voice say, go for me to China and i don't i don't claim to have all knowledge about those things but there you go and of course if you study the man's life it's very obvious that whatever that voice was that day he was called to go for god to china so his life then as he made the small decisions to prepare and to go and to stay and to open mission stations and to travel and to preach the gospel as each small decision was made you look back over his life and you go well it's pretty obvious god called hasn't Taylor to china and lo and behold he seems to have had a moment where he knew god was doing that um you're your dad, our pastor, has always said God's calling is a progressive revelation. That's always been helpful for me because I never had a "go for me to Calvary, Philly" moment or anything like that. Go for me into the ministry. I don't know that I, you know, I get saved at sixteen. I don't know that there was a time in those first years when I just sort of like, I know I'm called to be a pastor. Partly, maybe I didn't have faith. It didn't seem like a, it didn't seem like a possibility. I just knew. I started loving studying God's Word. I started getting, I started taking opportunities, creating opportunities to teach it at my high school, in my dorm at college. Like, I'm going to do a Bible study. And looking back, it was really just an eagerness and a desire to. And just like you, Mike, started like setting up chairs and helping out because I wanted to be at church. I did start getting a a distinct sense I need to be actively serving God with my time. And I think doing it through the church is the best possible way. And then what happens is the guys older guys above you in your church begin to just like you said begin to give me things to do hey can you teach a wednesday night bible study for ninth graders you know i'm 20 years old or whatever like yeah i can do that all i want to do is study god's word and teach it and i do think over the years i started to get a sense like well i don't know if i'm called to teach god's word but man i really hope i am that would be awesome if i was and if i could keep doing that and if that could be like i began to pray god could you make this like a main thing i do with my life and uh as Progressively, things begin to get revealed, and uh, you begin to people begin to hand you more opportunity, more responsibility. And f- in my life, you look up one day and you go, "Oh wow, this is crazy! I'm a pastor. I'm teaching the word on a regular basis." And I, I mean, I sure hope God called me. Here I am. I, I think that's what happened. Awesome. And just you, you stop doubting it, and you actually stop worrying about it. Uh, we've all, yeah. I think, known people who said, "I'm called to this. I'm called to that." But they weren't doing it. They had no opportunity. No one was about to ask them to do it for various reasons. And you kinda of go, all right, brother, uh, I hope it works out. Like, God bless you. But you're not you know, it we don't tend at Calvary Philly, I assume it's this way at other Calvary chapels. Someone says I'm called to be a pastor, we don't just say, Okay, great, and like hand them responsibility, just like you're saying, Mike. It there's sort of a well, let's hang out and let's see what God has gifted you to do and it'll become really clear. Uh, if If that really is the case,
0: yeah, yeah, I think part of part of the way this works out then is we believe that if God calls a person, God then subsequently equips that person, and so our giftings are a part of our calling they're tied to the task we don't try to do too much or too little i'm gifted to do what He calls me to do specifically and The reality is, if God has called a person to something, no man can stop them. So nobody could stop Moses from being Moses. Nobody could stop Elijah from being Elijah. This is one of the things that brought comfort to my heart just thinking about this. Okay, God, if you wanted John the Baptist to be John the Baptist, you called him to that. Nobody could stop him. There there literally wasn't a possibility because that was you. So... There's more to ministry than, than simply a lack of opportunity for guys. God God is the one who does all he puts all of those things together. He calls you. He builds you into the type of person that can fulfill that calling and gifts you to do it. So all all three of those things kind of have to be fitting together and we want those worked out in a calvary chapel on a very practical level we even the faithfulness of working it out is part of those timothy and titus passages that you're supposed to see the faithfulness of this person working out in the body um, and that should be recognized so some of that can be direction for again people out there if you're thinking well man, I'm a Calvary pastor and these guys at my church, they don't recognize my gifts or they're not giving me opportunity or the opportunity you feel like you should have. Well, to us then that's, that would mean probably one of two things. Either God is just moving you on somewhere. He's using that to redirect you. Because that's not the
1: space for your gifts. He has somewhere else. He actually wants you to go. He has not giving you a place at that. Yeah, and you shouldn't be angry
0: at the people there then, because that's God using them to redirect you. Or maybe you aren't called to those things. If if those doors are never opening for you, because what we wouldn't believe is, and this is where, again, our view of the scripture is important. Christ is the head of the church. He gives those gifts to men. He opens the doors. We don't believe there will ever be anybody who stands in heaven one day and says, God, I would have done everything you had me to do, but man held me back from doing it.
1: We don't actually believe that's possible. Yeah, if the Lord opens a door, no man can shut would be maybe a a loosely applicable scripture. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, on the positive part, God's personal calling then brings freedom. We don't just serve. We serve him as he made us to. So Chuck Smith, again, in that same chapter on page eight says, don't look for the applause of men. Don't look for people to say, oh, thank you. Oh, you mean so much to me. For so often it won't come. I've done and done and done for people, and I've had them kick me in the teeth because I wouldn't do more. I love that personality of Chuck. (laughs) You need to keep the mental attitude of doing everything as unto the Lord, knowing that of the Lord you will receive your reward. You've got to keep that in mind. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. He's my master. He's the one who will reward me for my service. I need to keep that perspective and keep the right attitude in my heart as I'm serving people. I'm doing it for him.
1: Yeah, there is huge freedom in that. It, I mean, it could it could sort of go over into arrogance, like I serve God, you know. But if we don't let it go into arrogance and we just keep it in terms of freedom— it's You hear so many stories about people in ministry who end up sort of on some kind of treadmill or in weird places because they just feel beholden to do whatever people want, or they feel like they have to morph to get people to come, to get people into their church, to get people to stay. But I do think that one of the things that can characterize us as a movement is exactly this freedom that, that Chuck is talking about. And, and like we're saying, for so much of his book, it's a very practical application of a theological truth, sensing that God is the one who I serve and who put me in the position that I am in allows me then to simply serve God. It's so, you know, if you do pastoral work, you know, this can be so helpful because there's so many times where someone's getting mad at you because you won't do or be something yeah. that they think you should do or be as their pastor. And there's times where, you know, I've had times where I'm like, wait, I need to learn. They're actually right I need to do that for them but often instead i think well thank you lord that i i serve this person but actually what i'm doing is serving you and because i serve you you send me to serve the people you want me to serve the way you want me to serve them because actually i I don't really serve this person i serve christ and it's only in serving christ that i can actually do and be for people what i'm supposed to do and be and that that produces that freedom that chuck's talking about
0: and anybody who's involved in ministry just knows the, the ministry has no end. There's not like an accomplishment of it right. per se where problems are over, issues are over. It's it's a lifetime service given to the Lord. So if you can't see someplace in your life where, Lord, I'm just doing what you want me to, there's endless opportunities that you will burn yourself out on. Because they're not actually a calling. I think it was D.L. Moody who said every opportunity isn't a calling. Particularly the more gifted you are. The more gifted you are, the more you have to weigh these things out. So uh, like Brian here and me can do a bunch of different things. Um, he could do tech. He can lead Hi. worship. He can teach. I can't do pretty much any of those things. So I have less to worry about where Brian <laughs> has to filter through more in his head what is actually... Uh, a call from God and what is not. So
1: we were talking about that as we prepped, though, and that cuts both ways too, right? Because the truth is, we were saying, and I think this is important: there's not a plethora, there's not an abundance, there's not a glut of God called, divine, yeah. divinely useful ministers. There's a there's a deep shortage. We all know that, and so that means two things. One is those of us that are called to this work. Exactly what Mike was just saying. We're we're gonna have to let the sense that God has called me and whatever he's gifted me for dictate what I do and not the need. Because yeah. cause simply trying to meet the need, first of all, we can't. Only God can. Second of all, that will destroy us and maybe our families if we have them. But also, if I'm in that position of thinking, well, no one's asking me to do—I'm not getting this opportunity like we said— It's not so unrealistic to think that God might want you to go somewhere else because he knows that if if there's five guys at your church and they actually only need four because of the kind of work that is at that church, he probably wants guy number five to go to the place where you're needed. And God knows who you are and who those people are. And so it could be that he's literally using that to send you out. We've had situations here where there's great guys. And it just is funny because of this because of the time or because of what happens the way the staff is, there just doesn't seem to be a spot for them. And you see God end up moving them out and go be fruitful somewhere yeah. else. And that, that's actually sometimes it's hard to see them go and you feel like, oh, we gotta like find a place. But then when you see it happen, you think, Oh Lord, that was you because there wasn't anything going on in this way in that place and now there is.
0: Yeah. And on the on the other end, if you you can feel that constant pressure, particularly in our social media tv age it seems like people are doing so much yes. and there's you can look around at what all these other people are doing and see these very unique gifts they're always the ones kind of put forward and feel like should i be doing that i don't know if i could ever do that i know i could never do that and the reality is i don't have to look at what a single other person in the world is doing to know what god wants me to do I can hear his call on my life from him and all I need to do is follow through on that. And that takes off a lot of pressure from me. Like my my master can do what he pleases. I just do what I'm told. So all I got to do is what he tells me to do. And it's, it's not hard for me to find out what he tells me to do. I just got to go to him and I stay there. Otherwise... You know, you, you can just, you either get beat up because you feel like, ah, there's no way I could do any of this stuff. Or on the other end, for, for guys who are gifted and a little more gung-ho, I think we've seen plenty of stories where guys begin to do too much. They build an entire kingdom. And what happens is their character is not ready for that. And their gift really isn't given to that much. And pretty soon we find them, what, falling apart they're out of the ministry or they're in sin or they're breaking down in one way or another because they've sought to do too much, not everything that the Lord has actually called them to do.
1: Yeah, it seems to all be integrated and the character point is, is great. It's not only a sort of introductory door into knowing you're called into ministry. It's a good barometer of where I'm at in terms of God's call. If my character is suffering, either it's just that I need to, get before Jesus about my character or it's that I may be out of order in other places in my life and maybe it would be great if we could say of Calvary Chapel that personal character in particular is something we major on we all know of very talented ministers famous people people with what would be called like huge ministries or influential ministries whose personal character falls far short of what Paul lays out for us and we're all aware that often that precedes some kind of a fall, or you just sort of run into it, or even maybe you don't know the person, but maybe even just in the pulpit you watch it happen. And I think most of us have a sense where we're like, that ultimately, is, the Lord would not want me to go there. He wants me to have all three of these things, and character is sort of the the running barometer yeah. of where I'm at. Uh, because, because your sense of your call and your personal giftings have a way sometimes of just continuing to run on, especially if there's success measured by certain, certain outcomes. But character can become a, a real way for me to see, where am I at with this? Yeah.
0: So, you know, I, I think just again, in summary, talking about a, a particularly a minister at Calvary Chapel or the call to ministry in Calvary Chapel, uh, we see very particularly... God has a role for every single believer. Some of those believers, it is to be a pastor, teacher, or a minister of the word. Those individuals will be called by God personally. They will be created as men of God and character personally, as First Timothy and Titus show us. And they will then be equipped by the Holy Spirit. Not any human training can do it only in equipping by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the very direct things that the Lord calls them to, uh, whose character, again, is laid out in passages like First Peter 5. They're not given the filthy lucre. They're examples to the flock. The flock, the other people around, begin to see these people living out that calling in their own particular way. So, there, like we said, there, there are other ways that people look at this. Uh, we think this is pretty scriptural. The other things we talked about are all kind of applications of that, how it plays out. Biblical doctrine first, the applications after. So uh, those things are important, I think, again, first and foremost, for anybody who's listening who thinks, I want to be a pastor at a Calvary Chapel, these things are important for you to think through and pray through. And then for anybody who goes to a Calvary Chapel, you're not thinking, maybe you're called to the pastorate, but you want to see what we think of our pastors and what we would expect from them, um, this is important just for you to be able to to know and think through as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you. God bless.